The nail in the coffin! It's a feel-good edition of the Nail in the Coffin. I'm Tom. He's Travis. Uh, Cavs just wrapping up, I would dare say, their best win of the year. Trav, would uh, would you agree with that? I would agree with that, yes. I am feeling quite good. A fantastic game tonight. Uh, was not looking so good in the second quarter. Uh, down 15 at home to Toronto at halftime. But uh, then uh, in the end, um, the Cavs are the Cavs and the Raptors are the Raptors. And here we are, man. So uh, in honor of that, got to uh, got to crack one open. Oh wait, I have one of those. Please join in. I'm in. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, yeah it was uh, uh, it, it go- weird first half. They the first I don't know, even midway through the second quarter, no one seemed to be playing any defense. Um, and it, at some point, the Raptors started playing a little defense and somehow managed to get it up like a 15. I think 15 was the lead at halftime, something like yeah. that. Um, Cavs came out third quarter um, after halftime playing. Um, trimmed it down to one, I think, at the end of the third. So they came out playing really well out of, out of the break. Um, and then, yeah, after that, there was a lot of a lot of moments where LeBron just look like the guy that we probably don't appreciate as much as we should. <laughs> um, did some amazing things. Kevin Love hit a huge three um, to put the lead up to four. It was a, a, a as fun as regular season games get, I think, for the most part. Um, I will say I was excited. Probably my favorite part was the three by Kevin Love, where, you know, we've kind of been waiting, wondering what he'd be when he got back. Um LeBron obviously kept saying, you know, how much he trusts him, how much he likes playing with him and all that stuff. But it says a lot when LeBron, you know, drives to the basket. I think if Love wasn't out there, he probably would have, you know, forced up a layup himself, taking a contested shot, but he trusts him enough to dish it out there. And he hit the big three, which ended up basically being the clincher. There was a few exchanges of foul shots and whatnot. But um, as fun as regular season games get, like I said. All right, I think that's the whole game. So, uh, good night, folks. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. No, I'm just. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's been a hot minute since you and I have jumped on and done one of these things. I think we took last week off, and I'd kind of had some thoughts ruminating in my head, some different directions I wanted to go, and I'd prepared a whole bunch of notes today. Um, but then you get a game where LeBron goes for 35 points, uh, 17 assists, and zero turnovers. I I believe I saw from the NBA stats people, that's the most assists in a game with zero turnovers in NBA history, um, which is freaking awesome. But, uh, you know, it, it was the way things were kind of trending there in the first half, it kind of would have played real well into where I was thinking about going with this because, you know, I, I feel like we've got, what are we, 71 games into the season now? And I feel like we still really don't know what the Cavs are and what the Cavs can be. You know, we've kind of dabbled in talking about them off and on throughout the season. And there have been a few times where I've started to get real optimistic. Hey man, you know, we got the, you know, after the trade deadline, um, you know, came out in that first game against Boston, 
looked phenomenal. And, you know, we're kind of getting excited, got the all-star break coming out of, of the break, you know, finally get a home game. And then the Cavs kind of fell flat. And there have been a couple other instances this year where it's been the same thing. So I want to curb my enthusiasm a little bit here. Um, it's entirely possible. We're going to, you know, watch them come back and, and shit the bet on Friday night or something. I believe that's your birthday. I would hate to see that happen on your birthday of all days. But uh, yeah, that'd be terrible. It's also <laughs> Kyrie Irving's birthday, though. Fuck him. Who? I don't, I don't know who that is anymore. Um, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. He doesn't work here anymore. But uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it's just, and, and you know, I, I was just thinking. I mean, when when things got kind of bleak tonight in the second quarter, I, I said it became pretty clear that, you know, Toronto's the best team in the East and the Cavs are playing without Corver and Rodney Hood and Jenny Osmond and Tristan and Larry Nance, and they don't have their head coach. So it's like, you know, once the reserve started coming into the game. Um, I knew guys were out. I Until you just listed them all off, I don't think I really grasped the magnitude of how many guys were actually that's, out. That's five rotate, five legitimate rotation players. I mean, maybe Jenny falls out of the rotation once everybody, you know, if we ever actually see the Cavs at full strength, maybe he falls out of the rotation. But, I mean, that's five guys right there who can legitimately get minutes for the Cavs and their head coach. And, you know, I, I look, when you're starting to read – you know, the, a lot of the national writers and, and people outside of Cleveland, they, they love kind of, you know, the, the vultures love circling. And, you know, you'll I, I saw somebody mention this. They said, you know, Andre Roberson goes down for Oklahoma City and we get 20 think pieces. The Cavs are without five rotation guys and their head coach and they don't get an inch of slack. And, you know, when you've got LeBron on your team, I think that's just the cost of doing business at this point. But, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. And it kind of, and you know, it became apparent that, like, at that moment, when the Cavs fell behind, it's like, well, you know, okay, they got the five guys or so that you're, you're going to kind of count on. And, you know, when you start working reserves into the game, uh, no shit, you know, things are going to kind of separate here. But, goddamn, if they didn't show up in the second half and show out, man, that, uh, that, that a lot of pride there. Yeah, and I, even beyond the final result of the game, it would have been easy for them to sort of, at halftime, lean on those excuses that, you know, so many guys are missing all this, that, and the other thing, and and sort of just go through the motions in the second half. But like you said, they came out, um, they weren't just looking to make it a game or keep it respectful. Um, they were, they still thought they had a chance, and they played like it, obviously. They played their asses off. Um, it, it's nice to see that they didn't just, you know, sort of mail it in and try to keep it decent, because, I mean, I don't know that I would have been, I don't know how pissed I would have been if, you know, they came out and it was, you know, maybe 10, 12, 15 point um, loss after being down 15 anyways, if they came out and just sort of try to water in the second half. Uh, like you said, it's it's good to see them come out and it's a I mean, mindset that I think they need to, they need to get, they need to have every night from now think on. Think about 10 or 11 games left. Think about how long or, or how many games or, or how big of a stretch of this season where you would see the Cavs fall down in that situation where they'd pretty much just say, um, fuck it, not tonight. You know, we'll, we'll yeah, regroup. Nice night, you know, we'll just, I, I mean, I, I think it happened in Toronto. The, the only game the Cavs yeah, played up in Toronto this year. Yeah. It was, it was a 34 point loss back in, uh, I think that was November or December. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, it's a, a huge turn of events. And um, how about Kevin Love? I mean, already back up to 30 minutes tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah, they said he was on a minute restriction. I don't I don't know what's going to happen when they cut him loose then, but he's he doesn't he doesn't look anywhere near as rusty as I thought he would have been. I, I think it would have been completely understandable if he came out and the shot was off and he you know couldn't go a whole game without getting gas and whatnot but he looks he looks energized it's exactly what you'd like to see you have to think that he's probably been doing you know staying in good shape even while he couldn't really shoot or anything while he was down um but his shot still seems like it's there he's still active he he's everything you want him to be i'll tell you you know if you could think back to what was it January when Isaiah Thomas finally took the floor for the Cavs, his first game out, I think it was against Portland. He looked great and we were all excited. And I don't think he ever looked that get that good again in the other 14 games he played before getting shipped out of town. Right. And yeah, you got, you get that adrenaline coming in in your first game. So when Kevin Love came out um, the other night, had a great first game back. Uh, it's like, okay, Good start. Let's see what yeah, he does in game two. Again, right, exactly. We saw it again. <laughs> yeah. He came yeah. back tonight, and he had the uh, – I mean, that was a huge shot, like you were talking about earlier there. That fourth quarter shot there when, when LeBron attacked the rim and kicked it out, Um, I mean, that was massive. So, Yeah, I don't know that LeBron trusts a whole lot of guys in that situation. Um, Obviously, Kevin's one of them. But for the most part uh, – to me, it's almost I'd rather in that situation, I felt like it was a pretty, a pretty big, uh, I don't want to say like landmark or, or anything, but it was a pretty big statement, I think. And, it, and it's probably a really good building block going forward that it was Kevin that made the shot as opposed to, you know, maybe LeBron plays ISO and takes a three himself and makes it. Um, I think having Kevin do that kind of just re-ingrained him and, and said, yeah, this guy, can, he'll be all right. Yeah, we, we know LeBron has that club in the bag. That <laughs> We've seen that right. one time and again. Right, so. exactly. And I think he needs – I do think LeBron sometimes needs to see those things happen to truly trust those guys later. Um, I, don't, I don't know if Kevin's necessarily one of those guys because they've been together for so long. But um, I think – I do think it's – I just think it's a good sign uh, that that – chemistry's there and he was able to step up and make it after all the time he was down yeah um while we're on the subject of big men i have to i I don't know (laughs) i i don't even know where to begin with ante zizic he he actually looks like a reasonably functional player and i mean what if we ever see a full uh a full lineup he's not going to be probably getting very many minutes but i mean he's at least made it a little bit of a discussion now right oh for sure he's definitely done the most with the opportunity he looks like i don't, I don't know if anybody really expected him to look like a competent nba big man and he has more than held his own definitely exceeded expectations i don't like you said i don't know how much i think he's one of those guys that'll depend on the matchup a lot but uh yeah you gotta like what you've seen from him so far definitely exceeded my expectations yeah i thought there were times tonight when he struggled in the pick and roll and Toronto like to put him to in those. Yeah, defensively, I think overall he needs some work, but surprisingly good touch around the rim. Um, been uh, he can rebound, very effective. 
And um, I, I think overall, uh, it's encouraging to me that the Cavs have gotten something out of Jetty this year and they've gotten something now out of Zizek just because, I mean, for how long have we seen LeBron led Cavs teams loading up on guys who are in their mid thirties and you know, LeBron doesn't like to play with young guys. You know, LeBron wants veterans and there's something to be said for developing first and second year players and, and and young guys who don't have a whole lot of experience in the league. And I don't feel like we've ever really seen a ton of that with when the Cavs contention window has been open. I mean, you know, Tristan's somebody that really developed in the Cavs system, but I mean, he really put in, what was it? Three years before LeBron got here. So, you know, out of, I mean, and really, I mean, he's, I think uh, he's one of the few that are, is he the only guy left from prior to LeBron signing here? Yeah. 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 There's only four there's only four guys left that are even from the championship team. Right. Yeah, because Kevin Love came over um, a JR. month after JR. Kevin Love, JR LeBron, train. and Tristan. That's it. Yeah. Which is kind of nuts to think about. But yeah. And that's the other sense. thing is, yeah. you know, you know, again, when people like trying to pick the Cavs apart. The fact that they won a title two years ago and out of the 15 players that are on the, the caricature t-shirt that I wore to the parade, there are four faces and the coach who are still here. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. wild. Um, so, I mean, it, it explains a lot of the, you know, bumps that we've had along the way this season as well, but you just have to hope that maybe they're hitting their stride right now. I mean, they still got their work cut off for them and we still need to see how how the the pieces are going to fit sounds like mm-hmm. rodney hood and uh tristan are close uh hopefully larry dance close uh close behind and, and jetty as well and uh well i mean kyle corver situation you know that's that's a whole different deal and obviously awful um yeah yeah but um we'll uh we'll see how it goes man but uh what the what a game tonight. You know, I was supposed to be at that game tonight. So was I. <laughs> what happened to you? Uh, I I was doing stuff around the house, and before I knew it, it was like 6.30, and like, I don't feel like going down there. Um, decided against it. Just didn't – felt like too much work, quite honestly. I was like, I'd rather just watch it on my couch, have a few cheap beers that I already have in the fridge, and not have to go through all the hullabaloo. Yeah, no, I I get you there. And then I was it, traded to Hubie Brown. <laughs> Hubie had a rough night. Yeah, it was uh, not not a good night for. I I mean, you got to understand. I mean, I think he's eighty four now, and the fact that he's still working these games is incredible. But yeah, there were definitely some time and score and foul situations in the final minute that he botched badly, which is very unHubie like. It, it's it, my my favorite one was a, a terrible call. It was a foul on. Uh, DeRozan and LeBron and I think JR like LeBron blocked him blocked the ball from the front JR blocked it from the back and there was no contact like anywhere else and they show a replay and he's like see there he got kicked in the groin so that's where the foul is they showed it like three or four times and he's like yeah see right there and then they show an aerial view of it that shows that he very clearly did not get kicked in the groin and he'd be just like double down on it it's like yeah see it's like no, I could see that no, there was no contact there, Hubie. But Hubie might in need general, to be, uh, just not his work, best work. 
working uh you might need to start working some wwe broadcast where you know <laughs> selective camera work to make the, yeah. uh, the contact look a well, lot worse. wwe doesn't show that aerial view you don't have to worry about it you know, kevin dunn's got it down to a science in the uh, production truck for them so uh, no i was uh so i weird thing for me i was originally supposed to be at this game tonight i had gotten tickets as a christmas present some really good seats uh down in the in the corner in the uh in the lower level um and then I had a work trip scheduled, went through all these hoops, getting the tickets traded, trying to find another game um, from the person we had, you know, the season ticket holder that we had gotten the tickets from and uh, finally got it settled in that uh, I think I'm probably going to be going to a playoff game. But um, the whole nice. reason I, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it all works out, but um, the whole reason that I was supposed to be, uh, missing the game tonight was I was going to be in Boston for a work trip. And at lunchtime yesterday, I get the email from my boss informing me that there was a huge snowstorm about to hit the East coast and our event in Boston was canceled. So I got to uh, kick my feet up and uh, as you did, uh, listen to Hubie uh, struggle to identify the contact down the, uh, down the stretch. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it looks like the crowd was into it. I think yeah, what do we got left? Very... What do we have left now? Eleven games. I believe so. All right, so that's about as good as you're going to get, I think, at this point in the season. Toronto comes back here again. I think in two weeks. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's real quick. The Cavs don't play up there again. They only had the one trip up to Toronto, but yeah, Toronto's got a second game here in uh, I think I think the first week of April. So. Um, who knows what the standings look like then? Cavs are in kind of a scrap trying to hold on to the third seed. Yeah, I don't. That's weird. The, the two seems pretty much out of reach at this point. So yeah, they're in uh, third, but they're like two games away from like seventh. Right. Like it's it's wild. It's going to be an interesting interesting to see how the seeds fall out. I think the Cavs can only lose two more games the rest of the year to still get fifty wins. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that that always has kind of been the magic number in my head. Is you, you got to be a fifty-win team. But the uh, I was I was digging into the history of this, and there was one of the Nets teams in the early two thousands that made the finals. That uh, I think only won like forty-seven games or so. And oh yeah, okay. So the Cavs they they can still lose three games the rest of the year. They got to go uh, eight and three to finish the year. Okay. Yeah. So the yeah the Nets made the finals, went in fewer than fifty, and the Rockets won the title in the mid nineties. Their their second title in the nineties, um, went in fewer than fifty games. That team was insane. I think we talked about them last year when we were getting ready for the playoffs. That that Rockets team beat four different fifty win teams to win the title. Which the one? Ninety four or five? Five ninety five. Okay. Yeah, they were like yeah, a were... six seed. Is that the one? Was Hakeem out for a lot of that season or something? I don't even remember. I, I don't I I know that their record was not nearly what it had been, but they had to like yeah, I, I remember they had to beat Phoenix and then they had to beat uh Utah in there somewhere and then they swept Orlando in the finals. But getting ahead of ourselves. We got to, got a few weeks before the playoffs start, but uh you know. Hey, if, uh, maybe build some momentum finally. Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's, it's been a, a good long win. year. 
in the long run, it's one win and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't change a whole lot, but I'll be honest, we look at, um, we look at Toronto and everybody's talking about how they're, you know, they're, they're different. They're as good as they've ever been, which is true. They're definitely playing really well right now. I just, I think, I think in, I think the Cavs are still in their head. LeBron's still in their head and tonight did nothing to help them with that. In my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll probably point to the fact this was their second night of a back-to-back, I think, third game in four nights and, you know, all, all sorts of other circumstances. But, I mean, at the end of the day, that that's, if you're Toronto, that's a game you want. Yeah. Yeah, for all sure. Right. You, want to, you got any other Cavs-related thoughts or you want to shift gears here? Let's shift. Do it. What do you got? Well, uh, we saw Joe Thomas have his uh he made it official had the uh, retirement press conference earlier this week uh if he's probably going to go into nfl broadcasting but if that doesn't work out uh roastmaster might be another potential new job title for him <laughs> i will tell you what he's not going to go into am radio <laughs> made man, I, made man I know in town says he will never make it in his business yeah, what what is with them? What, is there like a backstory on this or something? Well, from what I heard, and this was a few years ago, like they said something. It wasn't like overly inflammatory, but it was it, it was a little just a, a silly dig at how as long as Joe Thomas has been here, they've never won anything, and, and kind of implying you know that maybe he was part of that. I don't know exactly how much they were blaming on him or anything, but I think it got back to like one of Joe's like reps or something. And then at that point, basically Joe was not interested in coming on their station anymore and made it known to them. Like he, he wouldn't be calling into their show. And at that point they sort of took it quite personally and it re manifested itself um, around this, this time, I think, because I don't know. I just think in general they're delusional over on that station and they don't really they don't really realize the product they're putting out at this point is is not exactly in high demand. So so he went on this tirade about um how Joe Thomas will never, you know, if he wants to make it in 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 his words, in his business where he's a made man in this town, he'll need to have thicker skin, which is incredibly rich coming from this particular individual. No names, please. Was this before or after he said he's going to mow down a bunch of fans with his car in the street? Oh, this was after. This was within the last... Just checking. I got to make sure. We got to get our timeline straight. This was probably only like two months ago Okay, that he said this. Um, It was after the season... Um, might might even be less than that. It was fairly recently that he said it, and it was just this bizarre like tirade that really made no sense because at the time he said it, like Joe was Joe was on TV and he was doing the rounds, and it was pretty much universal agreement that this guy's made to be on TV or on the radio or something. Like he's really good at this. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he's right. Maybe Joe's not meant to be in his business. Uh, I'm not totally sure Joe wants to be pimping B pills and, (laughs) you know, whatever other garbage they have on that station. But in general, I I think Joe's going to be just fine. I would agree with that. It's funny. The same day that that tirade went off, there was someone on, 
I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been Andrew Siciliano from NFL Network was on. I think he was on 92.3, and they, like, asked him something. And he was like, yeah, if Joe Thomas is retired today, he'll have an offer from the NFL Network tomorrow. Like, we'll hire him immediately. <laughs> it was pretty glaring. Uh, yeah. what, what day was that? That he, Was it Monday that he did his retirement press conference? Uh, that, like, I, think I thought it was yesterday. Okay. These days all just blur together to yeah. me at this point. But uh, the, the day of that he announced his retirement and made it official – I thought it was pretty glaring that if you look at the lineup that they had on 92 that day and what KNR had put together, um, I felt like it spoke volumes about the place that those two stations are in at this point. Um, and yeah, I know we don't, I like, to, we don't like to get in the bashing media thing, but it's – it's it's not a particularly close fight. Like when ninety two three first came on a few years, shit, it's probably six or seven years ago by now. Yeah. Um, I I personally honestly felt like they were gonna have a hard time getting people from to to switch from eight fifty because I thought eight fifty had a pretty decent product at the time. I mean, it wasn't it, there was still a lot of the same stuff that they have now, but they're it's not even close right now. Um, and and I, the, I don't. Here's the thing. I, 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 like you said, I don't really like getting into quote unquote bashing media, but Joe Thomas is one of the most beloved athletes yeah. this town has ever had. And if you're going to be taking backhanded shots at him, you deserve to get called out on your bullshit. Like, that's not cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, beyond how good he was on the field. And it, it sort of came out in the last couple of years. He he got a little more comfortable just, you know, saying what he thought. That guy, like, after LeBron, he's probably the most, like, widely beloved Cleveland athlete, you know, of the century, of the last 18 years or whatever it is. Um, he's yeah. – he's – He's to, to steal the term. He's as made a man as there is in the city right now. Completely agree. But I'm glad you mentioned like as good as he was on the field, because this is something I, I've been thinking about a lot since we first found out he was going to be retiring. You know, you hear the phrase hot take, and that's basically somebody having a real inflammatory opinion to try to I think uh, it'll be controversial when people yeah, are. Just draw attention to yourself. I think like the most anti hot take statement you could make is to say Joe Thomas is the best player of the new Browns era, right? Like, oh, if you went, I don't know that it's close. If you walk into a Browns backer bar tomorrow and you stand up on a bar stool and you say, Joe Thomas is the best player since the Browns returned to 99. I don't think anybody would even look up from their chicken wings. Well, here's the second this is going to sound, it might sound like hyperbole at first, but give me a better one. Is Phil Dawson second? That should tell you how much of a gimme Joe is. Right. Right. No one's going to suggest another name. Right. But where I'm going with this is it's incredible to me. Like I'm, I'm put, you know, I follow the team. I watch the games on Sundays. I, I keep up with them on, in, you know, their, their coverage in the media and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I read up on them when I can, but I'm not somebody who's breaking down all 22 film. 
on Monday mornings. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have that level of investment. So, you know, I think from my perspective, I, I try to think about this. It's like, we all say he's good, but like, can you actually, like what, what play from Joe Thomas's career stands out to you the most? You're, I mean, there isn't one really. Right. And, and that's, a th- and it's like, that's what I think is like so crazy about it is like, we all recognize he's like far and away the best Brown. And I think the people who do break down all that film will be like, yeah, you're right. But I, I think it just says something to the fact that like, you know, we remember him for his durability. I mean, the guy played 10,000 whatever snaps in a row. Um, you know, we remember his, his humor and his personality and his, his, you know, his candor, especially in the last couple of years in the locker room, like you were saying. Um, but it's just so hard, I think, for us as, you know, casual fans to really fully appreciate just what a player he was on the field. It's like, yeah, we all just say, oh, yeah, he was great. And he was, and that's fine. But to, like, fully appreciate, like, what that means and what goes into that position, I think is is really challenging. I mean, you can look at, like, skill position players, you know, a quarterback or or, or a wideout or a, a running back or even, you know, most players on the on the defensive side. And you could point to a handful of plays, but to be that dominant to the point where you gain that much recognition and respect as an offensive lineman. I mean, that that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's only a couple guys in the NFL that are any, you know, that are even in the same breath in terms of uh, where Joe Thomas is and his, his overall track record. But I think the, the way that you look at it with the, the thing that makes the offensive line guys different than basically any other position is you kind of have to you kind of have to not be noticed. That's how you know you're doing well. It's kind of like, like a referee. <laughs> it's like a referee. Yeah, it's like an official. If if no one says your name as an offensive lineman, you're probably doing really well. Um, and that's that's sort of what it was. He was as consistent as possible. Um, not just it, not just that he was durable. The guys, you know, guys can stay on the field. And yes, he did that at, a, at an incredible rate, but he also was consistently great. Like he, he didn't, I'm not a big, I can't really break down film on offensive linemen, but I can't ever recall a game where after the game, people are like, yeah, Joe Thomas just got eight alive today. No, he's never he been called a turnstile. Right. Yeah. He might've got given up a sack here and there, um, but it was never never that many at once he was just he was textbook he mechanically he was as you know somewhat robotic i think which is sort of what you want at that position um so technically sound that yeah yeah what uh you you mentioned the uh, the media stuff and you know he's got the podcast with uh, andrew hawkins right now and i think he's done some tryouts with fox and espn do you want to uh, venture a guess on where we see him end up next, or maybe where would you like to see him end up next? Where would I like to see him? I think he'd be great in one of those Sunday morning studio shows. Uh, I think there's a lot of guys on, honestly, I think there's a lot of guys on those. They probably need to trim most of them down. In my opinion, they got, now they got them like, like five or six guys and, it's just hard to keep track of what the hell's going on on those anymore. Looks like I think the announcer be, booth on the, yeah. uh, the naked gun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's just all over the place. 
Um, I think he'd be great calling games as a color guy. I don't know if he wants to do that. Um, I don't know if he wants to be traveling all the time. I guess it, it's really up to him. I want to see him. I want to see him regularly. He's, he's. It took a long time, I think, for him to to really let his personality out. We didn't get to see a whole lot of it early in his career. We knew he was a great player, but he was fairly, you know, out of the spotlight. Didn't really bring a whole lot of attention to himself. Even now, I'm not going to say he brought a lot of attention to himself. It was kind of given to him. He just had a personality that handled it well. Um, I don't know. I don't. I. I don't think. I think our uh, our local mid man is right. He's not cut out for radio because I don't think he wants to work four hours every day. I don't um, blame him. I don't think he wants to be doing live reads. You know, I don't think he wants to do that sort of stuff. I don't think that's a, just a, I just don't think that's a job he wants. He probably wants to enjoy his life a little bit more. Um, so I don't know. I think he, I honestly, I think he could do anything listening to like his podcast is good. I think it's okay. Um, it's, it's not the best Cleveland podcast. There's only one nail of. in the coffin. So. There's only one nail in the coffin. Uh, <laughs> I'm but, cut off over here. <laughs> I think, um, I'll be honest, I, I listened to a couple episodes of it. I think it needs more of him. I like Andrew Hawkins, but I think he dominates it a little bit more. Uh, especially, I listened to the Johnny Manziel one um, the other day as I was driving, and the ones I've listened to, I'm like, I kind of wish there was more Joe in that because he's, I feel like he's, he's, and I think the fact occasions probably plays part into that, but he could do whatever he wants. I think his, I think the best thing for him would be, I don't think he wants to be one of those ESPN analysts who has to be on call all the time. Um, I think he should probably just go into a booth somewhere and, and call games on Sundays and enjoy his life. It would be awesome. I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think he has enough of a profile outside of Cleveland yet. But it would be awesome if the new Monday Night Football booth had Joe Thomas as the color commentator. You're going to have he'd be fantastic at it. They're going to have a new play-by-play guy this year. I don't know if you saw that. Sean McDonough's going back to college, and they're moving Joe Tessitore. Joe Tessitore and Sean McDonough are changing jobs. They're they're trading places. So Tessator is going to be doing Monday night football and Sean McDonough is going back to doing the number two college game every week. And obviously nice. they got, they got to replace Gruden. Um, I I could possibly see going with like a three man booth with like Tess and Joe Thomas. And I don't know, like a Lewis Riddick or somebody like that. Uh, yeah, I, I think that like, would I don't be like a three man booth personally. Um, it's gotta be the I right mix. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think he'd be ready for that. I think they're they're pro- you're probably right. They're probably going to go with someone with a little more, um, I don't know, with a bigger name, bigger national name. But I think if you put Joe Thomas in the booth, people are going to immediately like him. Yeah, I mean that's that that Monday Night Football job is probably Peyton Manning's if he wants it. I know like ESPN was going after him. Yeah, and I don't Fox. think he wants that. Is he going to go on a TV? Uh, he, I figured he was going to be like front the white whale guy. for all these TV networks, especially since like Tony Romo came in and basically was like this huge breath of fresh air for CBS. I think all the other networks are kind of looking to capture that same lightning in a bottle, especially like, I mean, ESPN's obviously completely redoing their booth because Gruden left, and uh, Fox has got to come up with a new crew 
for Thursday nights because they're taking over Thursday night football this year. And um, they're not going to have their normal number one crew. I've heard all sorts of names kind of thrown around for that. But yeah, it kind of sounded like both of those, like Fox and ESPN were both trying to, uh, you know, recruit Peyton Manning. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I, let's be honest, anybody would take Peyton Manning if they could get him. Of course. Basically any organization would take him in any role, be it a team, a network, whatever. He's, he's far and away the most in demand guy in football at the moment for a non playing job. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I see, I, I see him more of a, uh, front office type guy wanting to get in, be in the same place all the time and, you know, sort of make moves like that, but who knows? Maybe he yeah, wants to do that. He's got his pick of jobs. Yeah, for sure. He'll, he'll be. Um, all right. Kind of closing the book on, on Joe Thomas and maybe moving it towards the, uh, the Browns going forward, uh, a whole flurry of activity between trades and, free agent uh, agreements and whatnot. Um, yeah, we haven't talked since free agency started, have we? Right. And they've basically turned over half their roster. And I don't have the time or the energy to try to go through every single one of those transactions. But uh, highlights, anything in particular kind of jump out at you that uh, you, you want to kind of weigh in on here? Um, I like the tie rod move. I, I wanted them to get a veteran guy anyway, so whoever they drafted um, didn't have to play this season, and I think Tyrod does that. He's not going to be a guy that lights the world on fire, but you know he's he's a pro. He'll be able to uh, he'll be able to do the job servicely. They'll be able to win a few games, and and that's good. I think it's a good a good move for them. Um, all the other moves, I mean, I like everybody that they've that they've signed. I don't have any. Any real problems? None of them jump out as me uh, out at me as you know overpaying for anybody, and they all seem like they fill holes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think the cornerback position is one that we knew was sort of an issue, and they address it through free agency. But I'm not sure. I think that's still the one that you kind of need to see fill out the most. Obviously, the Carlos Hyde signing makes things interesting uh, as far as the draft goes, because obviously the big name that everybody's been harping on has been Saquon Barkley. I don't know if you. Yeah. Can we officially put that to rest? He's not going number one. He's not going number one. Like that's a hundred percent guaranteed. At, if he's still there at four, do they take him? I think the only way that they take him, I think is there. Um, But I also think that it's possible that if they, sorry, I'm just watching Carrasco's getting teed off on right now. Um, Christmas tree here. This is a... yeah, yeah. No kidding. Um, I think Chubb's probably he might be their number one guy on their board. If Chubb's gone, maybe they trade. They probably trade down honestly before they take uh, before they take Barkley, which wouldn't be the worst thing ever either. If they move down to six or seven, add a few more picks. I think Buffalo's looking going to be looking to trade up. Quarterbacks, quarterback. Everybody keeps saying how all the quarterbacks are the same and it doesn't really matter which one you get. Uh, A, that's ridiculous. B, that makes that fourth pick all that much more valuable. Right. So I I think that's – the fact that they have the number one pick, I I would be totally okay if they traded down. It depends, obviously, how far they trade down and how much they get in return, but – You'd be fine with them trading down from four. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're not not trading down from one. I'll take your quarterback and then 
then mess around after that. You gotta be there for a second. No, 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 no. I'm no. <laughs> and it, and from everything we heard today from the USC Pro Day, Darnold looked pretty sharp. I think Pro Days in general fairly overrated, but um, seemed to it seemed like he threw the ball pretty well in the rain. Is it, it seems like that's almost a foregone conclusion at this point. I don't know if that's the case or not, but it did seem like a far cry from the days of Ray Farmer not even going to a pro day by himself that uh, the the Browns today had, I think their entire front office and Jimmy GM has coach and owner were all there. I'm not sure if anybody else was, but that's pretty that's much everybody except the guy who paints the lines on the field at first energy stadium, I think went out there to watch today. And I think Jimmy Haslam was even at one point sitting in the bleachers with Sam Darnold's parents. Yeah. And they, did not, and they did not go to Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen's. Do we know that for sure? Yeah. Okay. You do know that. I, th- I, th- I thought they uh, did something with Rosen. I know that. I mean, they may have. They may have sent like the local, the uh, a scout or something. But those three guys were not there. Okay. Yeah, it's just all right. Uh, yeah, it becomes interesting. No, no, like, I, I think the math has probably had to have, have changed a little bit here in the last few days since the Jets moved up to number three because I don't think they're doing that from where they were unless they've got a quarterback in mind. Right. So, um, yeah, you can certainly see now, I mean, there's going to be a lot of good players to pick from, and, you know, there's probably going to be one one of those quarterbacks left, if not two of them. So, yeah, you're, you're in a pretty interesting leverage position dealing from four. Um, yeah, I think the guy that's going to kind of be the wild card is Josh Allen. Like, how much, how much are teams going to want him? How much, right. how much your team's going to be willing to trade up for him? I think Rosen, if I had to guess right now, I'd say it's going to go Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield. And then, you know, does someone want to trade up to get Allen? It's pretty much predetermined that, I don't know, do you think the Giants are guaranteed to take a quarterback or they might trade out of that too? I don't think they are guaranteed. I think if they keep that pick, God, I don't even know. Because like... Here's the thing you got to weigh for them. You, How many times do you expect to be in this position again? That's true. Yeah, that's you true. Know, I mean, you're in the two position, and and Eli's not going to give you that many more years. Right. He can give you a couple more. Yeah, but, like maybe, maybe he's not ready to ride off into the sunset yet, but, but that day is not guy far away. Behind him? Right. So do you, do you kind of uh, – you know, how soon are you willing to start planning for the future? How soon do you need to start planning for your future? Um, yeah, that that's that, that's an interesting one. And I, I wonder if, if the math on that for the Giants gets affected by their quarterback evaluations. You know? Yeah, the thing about the, the thing that makes them confusing, though, is, yeah, you'd love to be able to grab a guy while you're high in the draft, but you're also in a position to win now. So would you like to get a guy that can help you do that? So I, I don't know. It'll be a decision they need to make. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade down too. Um, we'll see. I guess I I haven't I haven't heard a whole bunch or if there's any like rumors out there around that. But well, all I know is after all of this and all this maneuvering, um, we still have a whole another five weeks to go until the draft. So God help us all. <laughs> yeah, it's not going away. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of wish that Roger Goodell didn't have his like his ban on you know announcing like they used to, where 
you yeah, knew who the a, first pick was. That was like the thing. weeks like, before. Had like agreements in place with players before they even officially drafted him, right? Yeah, I know Mario Williams. Um, he was one that was that they made a big deal out of that. He was basically signed before he was even drafted, right? Uh, and I don't know why that. I don't know if there's any downside to that, really. I just know that I heard that Roger Goodell doesn't like that, so he doesn't want the team to do that anymore. But well, they're going to have the draft on like 17 networks this year, so they got to kind of keep up the palace intrigue as long as they can, I suppose. But good grief! All right, um, I uh, anything else you wanted to get into while we were on here? Is your is your March Madness bracket uh, down in flames like mine is? <laughs> oh, mine. It's one of the worst. I only filled out one, and I just filled it out quickly. Like I didn't pay a whole oh, lot of it. Bracket of integrity, I respect it. Yeah, I just did one bracket, and like this is what I'm going with. I didn't feel like entering a whole bunch of different ones of filling it out twenty different times, but so I just did one. And so, like on Yahoo, they'll always name it something like "so and so's awesome bracket" or "Billy's wonderful bracket," like shit like that. And on mine, I was like, you know what? Mine's going to be terrible, so I'm just calling it Travis's shitty bracket. And it has <laughs> lived up to the billing. Um, my final four was Ohio State, Purdue, Michigan State, and Cincinnati. Oh, no. Uh, needless to say, not great. Not great <laughs> so far. Um, but I also had like a bunch of teams in like the Elite Eight and Sweet 16 that just got murdered last weekend. Like I think I had Auburn in the elite eight um so no I, one of the worst brackets you've ever seen i didn't i didn't really think about it a whole lot but i gotta own it no it was terrible so see i, I was i can't i can't avoid it i always run the bracket oh, this year i'm running the bracket for my my office and you get the people in your office who are like oh i don't watch college basketball it's a waste for me and i always try to tell them I mean, what what's the biggest cliche in these things it's always somebody the person who wins is always somebody who barely pays attention to college basketball and knows nothing about any of the teams to be fair every like of every pool you're ever in 10 percent of the people watch college basketball right well i will tell you that this was the year that i've probably watched less college basketball than any other season i could remember in the last 20 years just between all the Cavs games and work travel and everything else going on. I just, I've not seen much college basketball. So I said, Hey, maybe I'm going to be the guy who barely watched college basketball all year and uh, can uh, pull through and cash in on the March Madness brackets. And then I picked Virginia to win the whole thing. So um, I, I will not be collecting anything. That's still pretty awesome. <laughs> That's still pretty awesome that, that a 16 finally won, right? Yeah. Forget your bracket individually. Yeah, so I'm uh I, I will not be cashing it. But I gotta tell you, the, the the reason I picked them is I will say what I did know about college basketball this year, just based on past years, Virginia with their style of play has probably been my least favorite major conference power to watch. So it was kind of an emotional hedge. Like if I'm stuck <laughs> having to watch them for three weeks and six games, at least I can make some money off of it. So instead um, you get the Syracuse zone. Yeah, that's not much better, but uh, no, at least, uh, you know, $5 well spent getting uh, getting them out of the paint nice and early in this tournament. And, uh, there you go. How could you not like the Retrievers? What a fun team that was. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. I was watching it with one of my buddies, and at halftime, I don't even remember, there was a certain point where they were down like 15 or something, and there was a ton of time left. And I'm, I told him, I'm like, even if, um, even if the Retrievers don't score another point, 
Virginia's not going to score 15 more. Like, they're just not built that way. They don't score a lot. It's not going to happen. And it's the only the, team that I think broke 70 on them all year. If you're, if you're a, a team with a severe talent advantage, it, you're not doing yourself any favors playing a slow style and shortening the game like that. That That is absolutely playing into the hands of an underdog. So if ever there was a one seed that was going to uh, fizzle in that situation, I can't say in retrospect that it's too surprising that that would be the team to do it. But Yeah, it's easy um, to say in hindsight. But, I mean, if you think about it, that's the kind of team that should lose as one. They, yeah. They're not, I'm not saying like, – yeah, let me, let me be clear. I'm not saying I, they, we should have known that they were going to lose. I'm right. just saying if there was going to be a team that did that, okay, that having that team with that playing style be the one to do it, that – yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be a, a team that plays up-tempo and has a bunch of, you know, lottery talent, stuff like that. They're not the kind of team that that's ever going to happen to. It's, it's going to be not the an kind accident. of team that doesn't score a whole lot. It's not an accident that the best NBA teams are playing at a very fast pace because they want more possessions because the more possessions back and forth, talent's going to win out. So, right. Even yeah. if they're down, they're still more likely to, right. to to get back up. So I think that's it made a lot of sense, and it was still fun to watch. I mean, that's it's a cool story. We can stop talking about it. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens uh, this coming weekend. Uh, regional uh, games get uh, started. Sweet 16 here. Who you like now? Oh God, I don't even know. Um, Duke's bracket is insanely easy now, um, and Villanova I think has looked the best. So those yeah. are, I think those. I I know those are two trendy picks too, but I think that's probably the two favorites at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm a little annoyed with uh, how things have kind of fallen into place for Kentucky, but that, that's another one that uh, you know seems to find its way of happening more often than not. But uh, yeah, it'll be fun. We'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. I think I'm about tapped out, man. How about you? Yeah, go take it home. Well, uh, you can always subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher. We're on waitingfornextyear.com. So if you're streaming on your computer, that's always the best place to catch us. And uh, go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the nail podcast. We will be back next week. I'm thinking maybe it's time to talk some tribe. Finally about ready to start the regular season here, but uh, we'll see where we go with it. So for Travis Uly, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin and we'll talk to you again soon. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!